This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and use the very special offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? <coughs> oh, super. <laughs> super good. Mm, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm a little late. It's it's the tired season. Yeah, it is. It is. So you had, uh, well, we shouldn't say, but you, you had trouble getting your kid somewhere today. Ah, uh, you know, just normal stuff. Just normal human adulthood stuff. Ugh. It takes longer and longer all the time. Yeah, you wake up in the morning and you're like, here it is. Here yeah. I am. This is it. This is it. The nadir. <laughs> really? Well, yeah, because, you know, when you're young, you're like, oh, it's one of these days. It's all going to make sense. It's all going to come together. Yeah. And then when you're old, you're like, I don't remember. It's, what the, I don't re- it's the nadir for now. I feel I feel amazing. I'm on medication. I don't remember anything before two days ago. <laughs> but now, right here, it's like, oh, this is it. Oh, man. Right? I, I am guess. in it. I am here. I am in my 40s, just right in the middle of it. And it's not going to, there's, you know, it's not going to get any different. No. I don't know. I've been having fun lately. I've been enjoying kid stuff a lot lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it, uh, work, not work. There's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of grind. But you grind. know, a lot of grind. Yeah, grist, grist. I'm starting to think that the basis for most midlife male midlife crises mm-hmm. uh, might come out of a lack of gratitude or a perceived lack of gratitude from other people for all the hard work that we do. Yeah, I mean not, not like yeah. I actually deserve that, but I, but when I notice myself in my lower moments, I'm like, "Whoa, do, do all these things." You know. <laughs> <laughs> I should get a car. <coughs> Ugh. But you know, I I, I don't for know. Me, it's I, a, I, lot, a lot of it has to do with getting sick all the time. Are you still sick or are you resick? <laughs> mm. I got an, I got a sick on top of a sick. I got oh, a sick. No. You got like a different got, sick? Then I got better and then it was like a it was like a it was like some kind of adjunct sick. It was the same sickness but it it recalibrated itself <laughs> and was like, "You know what? I want a second shot at this." <laughs> and so a week in I just got super sick the same exact way. Um that doesn't. That's like, not reasonable, John. That, that, that was like, that's what? that's completely unacceptable. What the what? It's like double jeopardy or something. Mm-hmm, exactly. You're being tried Thank twice you. for the same illness. Yeah, that's right. That, and that and so I feel a little bit. I mean, talk about gratitude. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really think it's a thing. I really, really I do. A, you know, I have a lot of gratitude for any god. Pound sign blessed. You know what I mean? Any god who would make the Holocaust oh. and get me sick twice in a row. Oh. Um, I just read that Hitler book again. Which one is that? The Meaning of Hitler. Oh. 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 I heard that fella 
on the public radio. And the thing really? is, turns out, it's not actually about the meaning of Hitler. It's about people trying to find meaning in Hitler. It's a widely misunderstood book, and it's got Hitler as a baby on the cover, right? Is that the book? Oh, no, different book. Oh. Meaning of Hitler was, is by, is a, it was sent to me by a, a German listener of our program. I'm going to look this up. And it is a, uh, it's a book that was originally published in German by a German man. It's a small book, a thin book, but it is, um, and it was a huge bestseller when it came out in 1979 okay. in Germany. Uh, but it is just so full of insight, written in a very chatty, casual style, so full of insight, and you, you, you read it, and the first, you know, the first half of the book is, you're just like, oh my god, this book is explaining so much about the psychology of Germany at the time and Hitler and his appeal. And, you know, you just, you're just like insight, insight, insight. And then the second half of the book, it's just like, oh my God, this is so much worse than I thought even. So much after a lifetime of studying this guy, this little thin book is really instructing me on how much worse it is than I ever imagined. Really? Can, can I cover my ass for a minute? The book I mm-hmm. was thinking of uh, that's highly mentioned on uh, the public radio is called Explaining Hitler. Oh, Explaining Hitler. Uh, colon, The Search for the Origins of His Evil. And this is a 1998 book by journalist Ron Rosenbaum, and it's got a picture of Hitler as a baby on the cover. And the mm. book is kind of, I'm given to believe, widely misunderstood because he's not trying to actually explain Hitler. He's trying to understand the people who try to explain Hitler. Mm, so this might be a nice edge on explainers. If, yeah, if you've wrapped around to reading that one twice, you might want to move back to the states and have a look at explaining Hitler. Explaining Hitler. Yeah, I I'm uh, not sure I want to have, have the explainers of of Hitler explained mm. to me. But may, you know, maybe <laughs> Hitler explaining. Hitler explaining. <laughs> <laughs> the book I'm God, you sound like by, shit, John. You sound terrible. Yeah, well, but you know what? That's the Northwest. I can. I, I'm, I'm on the mend. Uh, the book I'm thinking of was by Sebastian Hafner. That's a great name. And, yeah, Sebastian Hafner. And he's just, he's so smart. But anyway, so that, so I've been, you know, been thinking about Hitler and then, um, and then, and then bummed, like really bummed. Like oh. the, the, the tail end of this book is, I mean, not that I, can't I wasn't. a book about Hitler you're reading for the second time wouldn't boo you more. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so like weird. you would think, you would think if I'd walk out of the house with the spring in my step. <laughs> Having really, really, <laughs> nearly goose stepping, you know, really jumped <laughs> into goose, goose in your step. Uh, jumped into this book a second time, but it's really it's the type of book I don't usually read books multiple times. But this is one of those books you could read every few years, and yeah, lots of books, and somehow you came back to that one. <clears throat> well, like I say, like I say, it's um, it stands just as an just as a as a book because because. How many books are there? And I'm, I'm maybe one of the appeals of it is that I would like to write books about things that everybody thinks they already know everything about. You want to write a turns out book. Right. Exactly. As it turns out. As it turns out. Dot, dot, dot. You thought that toilet water in the, in the Southern Hemisphere went down counterclockwise. But it but turns out. Turns out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so this is one of those books where it's like everybody thinks they already know about Everything there is to know about this story, and and it's not really he doesn't really frame it in a turns out way. He's just like, well, you know, let me let me let me show let me show you, mm-hmm. let me show you how we got there. Let me show you why this mattered, why this thing which 
we all just sort of gloss over Hitler's evil, for instance. You know, we just sort of say that Hitler's evil and um, and move on as though we all agree. But let's talk about what that means. Right. And uh, I love that stuff. You know, I would like to I would like to have that that kind of uh, thought proficiency. Well, that's so the, I, that's kind of what I get from that other book is that same idea of, is that like if you just try to lump this over here in this big, easy, relatively easy to understand pile called evil, you mm. miss out a lot on, on like how profoundly bad news it was. Right. That's right. the thing. That's the thing. Once you write something off as evil, I mean, what, what the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? People I mean, call I'm me sorry. I don't, I don't mean to, to curse on a Hitler conversation, but you know, mm. it's, it's, it does, it does seem like, you know, there's, oh God, we should talk about illness. Yeah, evil. I mean, evil is not a not a thing that you want to start off your 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 uh, your bright, sunshiny, uh, middle aged guys podcast. Yeah, with start talking about evil right away. First ten minutes. I, I've said this before. I'm gonna say it again. I um, you know, the jo- job I had in the '90s was working on a lot of stuff with litigation and environmental assessments involving lots of stuff involving like chemicals. So basically here in a nut, here's the job that I had for five years was working at a place where if a giant, giant, giant company got sued by somebody, if there was any chance in the world that that person had actually been injured, like really honestly, if there was a chance, they would just write them a check, right? Right. That's the thing that people used to do. Like GE used to just write, if you said, Hey, uh, there was PCBs in my cereal, However implausible that was, if they thought there was some chance that they that, that could go to court and like they had a chance of winning, they would just write a check. And eventually the companies were like, hey, we can't afford to do this forever. So we got the most cynical, asinine ambulance chasing cases and had to like go and like do a pigs and bunnies puppet show mm-hmm. of science mm-hmm. to show how look that this guy would have to eat do nothing but eat cereal mm-hmm. full of chlordane for 40 years and it's still much more likely his lung cancer came from his three packs of cigarettes a day and right. he had to do that because you've got to really like i say pigs and bunnies you got to really bring it down and well, that I, was the era of a lot of like rats in your coke can and i mean people were people were were drumming up some some specious lawsuits i remember hearing around the same time starting maybe in the 80s i remember here i never did this but i think this is kind of a coupon guy thing to do that like if uh-huh. you write if you write a letter to the win dixie and you say there was a rat in my coke they give you free stuff right and, and sure then i think that guy free coke yeah yeah and then that became kind of an industry thing is though like a lot of people came in with like sick building syndrome yeah, where supposedly right. the black mold or not even the black mold just the fact that you know you have these really crazy consultant people come in and say you've got to go live in this mobile home that doesn't have any quote-unquote chemicals in it mm-hmm. and i became very suspicious no mobile cynical. homes no no chemicals are used in the construction of mobile homes no not at all but i became very cynical about all that stuff you know one hit theory and cancer and all these ideas that have been you know that are pretty pretty bananas what about radon how do you feel about radon i think radon's a thing isn't yeah. that a big New Jersey thing? You get radon, radon in your basement? Yeah, radon in your basement. I think that's probably a thing. They'd write a check for that. Yeah. The last but thing I mean, in the radon, world. radon comes, out of, comes into your basement because it's because it's nature. Because, because of nature. Yeah, because God put it there. Mm. That's what he, what he wants. Is I tried to make it about being basement. sick, and now we're back to God and Hitler. Sorry. No, not at all. But now, but I do sometimes... Oh, poor John. My gosh, you should sue somebody. Have you been exposed to anything recently? Have I ever? You might have mesothelioma. It's a thing I learned about on daytime TV. I've been exposed to so many bad ideas. (laughs) And I feel like they are having, they're taking a toll. They're making me sick. Yeah. Ugh. 
It just makes you wonder, though. I live in an old house, and there are times when I think my family keeps getting sick. I wonder if there's something that's killing us in our house. And that's about yeah. the, 20 years ago. That's the last thing in the world I ever would have thought about. Do you have sick house syndrome? I don't think so. But I, you know what I think? I think it's really purely behavioral and cognitive, which is like if I get out of the house and walk around like a fucking gentleman, if I get out of the house, if I don't lay there and listen to podcasts for literally eight hours, I have a slightly better mood and I breathe better. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it's just yeah. sitting on my ass. But, but you know, but it's nice. Sitting to think on your you can, ass syndrome. That's right. <laughs> Nobody can sue for that. Radon is one of the densest substances that remains a gas under normal conditions. No kidding. Yes, it it's is like the a opposite very, of mercury. It's a very dense gas. Radon. I don't worry about radon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think we should all learn more about radon. <sighs> if radon. we do, if we do nothing else today, we should learn more about radon. Uh, see, I, it's you know, this radioactive, way- colorless, mm-hmm. odorless, see. and a tasteless noble gas. See, mm-hmm. that's how that's how that's how the the KGB uh, kills their uh, their expatriates. Is that right? That sounds yeah, like an East put, Germany kind of thing to do. They put radon gas in their basements in New Jersey. They can and move to New Jersey. Kids get sick. As I was as I was coming here, I wanted to add an addenda to uh, keep moving and get out of the way. Oh, fantastic! Because I realized that it is, you know, in in its basic form, it is complete and holy. Especially if you say it correctly. I don't mean I would never want to. Um, I would never want to. Uh, Accuse our listeners of not saying it correctly, but you right. got to make it's not keep it's moving. It's not and, or it's well, not or. It's, it's not and. or. It's not keep moving yeah. or get out of the way. It's keep right. moving and get out and, of the way. You have and. to constantly do both. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's a it's it's a it's a holy edict, and it, and it it belongs uh, it belongs carved into uh, Lincoln's nose on on Mount Rushmore. But Amen. actually, it Amen. should be translated into every language and carved onto the to the Lincoln of your country. On the Mount Rushmore of of your country, listener, like in, like in, fourth, in fourth grade every year, you always get like state history. Mm-hmm. So, like back in Ohio, we'd make paper mache Indian mounds and stuff like that. Yeah, like, the Buckeye think, State. Yeah, the Buckeye State, absolutely, hundred percent. Go Buckeyes! I think mm-hmm. there should be a module regarding keep moving and get out of the way at every level in primary education. Uh, absolutely, and they should teach it. They should well, and they should continue to teach it. You should have to recite it. At the DMV. If you get a citation for it, you should have to go to some kind of keep moving and get out of the way school. <laughs> but I realized that there that that there are that there need to be sort of a bill of rights of keep moving and get out of the way, or there need to be a a um, some articles that go along with it. These are like your amendments. These are like you know, right. you're not allowed to drink, no more slavery, that kind That's of right. thing. That's okay. right. That's right. That's uh, so right. The first, the first amendment. The first amendment to the. Uh, to, to keep moving and get out of the way, Seem, it seems to me to be that we need to introduce an additional concept, which is the concept of 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 positional relativity hmm. or inertial relativity, inertial inertial relativity, which is to say that when I am in a crowd of people moving. Or uh, certainly on the highway moving. Any situation where you are in a group of people and you're all moving the same direction, more or less. Mm-hmm. So you could be in this crowd of people and you could be thinking to yourself, I am keeping moving. And I'm not in anybody's way because we're all moving together in the same direction, more or less. And so I am fulfilling the tenets of keep moving get out of the way. So I'm fine and I'm going to go back to sleep. I'm going to start looking at my phone or I'm going to go back back into the sort of, you know, a text trance. Mm-hmm. But the reality is 
I find that you need to keep moving also relative to the other people who are moving around you. It's not but, enough to just do some motion. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You because need the, to, the inertial relativity. You should always, because of inertial relativity, you should always also be either passing or being passed. Oh, that's good. You know what I mean? Right. He's not, not busy being born, is busy dying. Like, that is exactly right. We'll call it if the you, Dylan Clause. <laughs> if you are not being passed by other people, then you should be passing other people. You should not be, do not ever allow yourself to become part of a, of a block movement where everyone is moving at the same pace. Because that is the death of innovation. And you're also, you're not leaving a space for somebody who needs to go super fast. Thank you. Okay. Exactly. I, I had to fly on United uh, last week. and wow. I, I United. Had... <laughs> oh, man. Um, and... I'm still mad at them. And, and, and yeah. all this being mad at them yeah. has really paid off for me. How's that? Oh, I just, just, it just feels keep... good. It just feels good. I keep being mad at United, and they keep being over there, and I keep being over here, and and uh, yeah, well, this, just is, this keeps, is what they would pay for all winter. This is what they would pay for. Ask them for first class, and for some reason they wanted to use United, so <laughs> so I was in the nice part of the bus. And uh, but here's the thing, and mm-hmm. I think this is not nowhere is this clear. This yes, America's highways, sure, but on the moving sidewalk, I, I don't want to get all Seinfeld here, but honestly, the moving sidewalk. It betrays so much about how little America understands about getting anywhere. Well, and it's a very... The moving sidewalk is a very small Petri dish. It is a controlled environment. It sure is narrow. It is limited and narrow. There is only so much you can do, and so, therefore, it is a heightened state where you must practice the ninja levels of keep moving and get out of the way. And what did you discover on this? Well, let me just, let me just tell you, there's all you need is, you know, well, here's the thing. There are people who don't travel a lot, who don't Mm -hmm. know about moving to the right, either on an escalator. I mean, that's a thing. I I imagine it's a thing in in Seattle. It's definitely a thing in San Francisco. I mean, we were downtown yesterday and you can tell the people who are from out of town because they don't know to move to the right of the escalator and let people get by. Right. Right, Because they are from uh, Stockton and, and there is no right or left in Stockton, California. (laughs) It's all just a flat plane. It's only Jesus. See, and this is the thing. That, uh, let me just add. Yes. And I think people who are from uh, uh, wide open spaces. Central California. <laughs> I was talking to a woman from the Czech Republic last night, and she said, as we were, we were sitting and chatting, and she was like, have you ever been to the Ukraine? And I was like, never been to the Ukraine. Hmm. Slovakia, it's all mountains in Slovakia. And she I was like, I heard the Ukraine's beautiful. Well, she said, this is the thing about the Ukraine that people don't fully understand and russia too which is that you get over you get out of the mountains of of slovakia or, or whatever you half you know halfway through poland it starts happening and then it's just a flat pan it's a flat pan all the way to the ural mountains there's not a there is not another bump hmm. all the ukraine is completely flat and she said all of russia is flat until you get to the urals but the you know the populated part of russia just flat as a pancake i didn't know that and she, and she said these the the people in those places they don't have any geographical features and so they do not feel hemmed in by geography they don't because there's no ocean there to 
to be a. Oh, you spend you spend thirty years. It's like the old west or something. Like walking around yeah. the plains. There's there's no left and right. It's like Stockton. There's no left and right. It's just like it's just like Stockton, California. It is eternity in every direction. So why would you move to the left or right for any reason? All, it's just you know, more just more more Stockton. Yeah, it's just it's it's basically like the sky, except it's under your feet and it's brown. Right. And what's that thing it's, called where you can fly anywhere in the sky? The open skies theory. What's it called? Oh, open skies theory. Is that what it's called? Uh, no, the thing where we were, like planes won't will hardly ever hit each other if they're just flying around. What's the, you, you? You always have to remind me what that's called. Oh, um, positional uh, inertial. And, oh, inertial relativity. Inertial relativity. So she doesn't have a sense of. Uh, she 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 might as well be from Stockton. Well, the thing is, she's from the Czech Republic, which oh. is a very hilly. It's like if you, if it's not a hill, it's a dale. You know what I mean? Like mm. the Czech Republic is all hills and dales. God, so she's really she was born. She was literally raised in inertial uh, relativity. She has she had a ton. She's got, of she's got it in her fucking Czech bones. Yeah, and so <sighs> she was commenting on her fellow Eastern Bloc Slavic peoples, but it was one of these like well, it, she can she do was, that. She can do that because she she can. And, and the thing is, I think the Czech Republic is the California of Central Europe. They Go feel like that, they, they feel like because, and I think especially if you were if you were raised in the Czech Republic when the wall was there, mm-hmm. right? The wall was essentially the left, beach. Left means something. Uh huh. It left. <laughs> left means wall. Something. Left means wall. But uh, but but she's commenting on the Ukrainians and and the Russians, and she's trying to explain their mentality, and it, and it sounded exactly like how I would explain the mentality of someone from Nebraska or Montana or North Dakota. Mm-hmm. There's no left or right. Mm. It's just all it's just all open. Big sky country. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so you're on the you're on the moving sidewalk, and you are encountering some people from Stockton. Well, let me just say this. There's, there's, the thing is, like, it's one thing to be a tourist who feels like someone was just brusque in asking you to move aside. But mm-hmm. the thing is, if you're here for a week, you'll eventually go, oh, I get it. I- right. I'm supposed to move over to the right, like it says on the fucking sign. Right. I learned something on yes, my trip. Yes, and now you get to be a local, and, like, people will get that. At an airport, it doesn't happen. It's the same reason the TSA line is so unbearable. It's just it, – it's, it's literally like hell – because it's the same thing over and over. People will always... I, you know what? I tried to put water through the other day. I'm a pro, and I accidentally tried to put water through. Ugh, I know. Ugh. I'm the worst. And uh, you know, they, they, they got a guy that stands right there and shouts at you yeah. to take your water out oh, of your Oh, no. Bag. And I, I, was, I was like... I was so... What's the word? Like supplicant. I was just like, I am so sorry. I, I, I had to get up at 3 a.m. my time to yeah. be here. And I'm, I can't believe I have a smart water in my bag. I'm really, really sorry. Yeah. That's not me. Uh, no, here's the dangerous one. The dangerous, the dangerous one is the pair of two meaty, big, beefy guys yeah. who are walking fast-ish down mm. the middle. Like two big, heavy guys, no offense, walking down the middle at like a slightly above average pace. Th- right. That's the worst because they think, they they, think, they think they've nailed it. They think they are both keeping moving and... Getting out of the way. If they're, who's, thinking, who's if the they're way? thinking at all, if they're thinking at all, and I think they're probably not, they're feeling like cock of the walk. Like they That's have right. really, they understand that this is not something to just stand on, you know, w- w- with your big wide stance. You got to sure. keep moving. They, they came all the way here from Central California. They're coming to the the, the beef herders convention downtown in the downtown in the Castro. <laughs> And they are uh, having a good old time getting yep. where they're going. But then they here got comes the roller bag. Got the roller bag. Here yeah. comes Merlin Mongoose. Yeah, and right? I'm like I'm like a little squirrely guy, right? Yeah. The thing you're is, on your way to somewhere. Yeah, but I need to get somewhere. But I also want to teach. 
Oh yes. I want to teach. I want to, I don't want to be a dick about it. No. But the thing is no matter how fast you're going there's always somebody else that needs to go faster. And that's why it's the inertial relativity. You have to understand you've always got to make room for somebody who's like a like a bullet going through exactly. there. And the exactly. bullet makes room for the next bullet. Make room for the bullet. Make room for the bullet. And 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 they 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 looked at me like and I said, "Excuse me." And not in a mean way. But like, mm-hmm. excuse me, like, as in like, you're literally walking down the center of the moving sidewalk and taking the entire berth. And just because you're moving doesn't mean you're getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, 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 God, I just, if we could all get that, there's so many things that would be so much easier to deal with if these, if, if inertial relativity were introduced. Well, and this is a concept that they understand in Europe much better because in, Boy, there's all kinds know, of lefts and rights in Europe, John. There, everybody in Europe knows right where the left and the right are mm-hmm. because if they make the if they step to the left uh, and then they hip, hip to the right <laughs> and they put their hands on their hips and then all of a sudden they're in the Duchy of Luxembourg <laughs> and somebody else, you know, then somebody else is their king and that's they're doing, not what they're they doing. Want. Das time warp, right? The sight warp, <laughs> and so, so. But the the thing is like. However many years ago it was, and I think it was like Carter administration when they put up all those signs that said, uh, slow, slower traffic, move right. Like they were trying to do that in America. They were trying to teach us. And when, when I was, when I got my driver's license, it was one of the questions in the driver's license exam. And, and they really hammered on it. Like, Slower traffic, keep right. The left lane is for passing only. Do you remember that, John? Do you remember? Is it just me, or wasn't there a time in America where that leftmost lane was literally called (coughs) the passing lane? It wasn't the fast lane. lane. It was the passing lane. The passing lane. An entire lane for passing, because everybody's got to go faster or slower. You use the passing lane to pass, and then you move over no matter how fast you're going. That's right. You don't just go over there because you're going 65, go in there and like, like live there. Yeah, I'm. I'm going. Uh, the speed limit is 65. I'm going 65, and no one should be allowed to go faster. Now than you're that. playing traffic cop. See, this is and this is the this is the I five problem. If you oh. get out there around Sacramento, you encounter these people who not only don't know left from right, but they've got some. You know, they just came from a, a church in a mobile home, and they're and they believe that they're doing God's work by keeping keeping the traffic tempo down. You know, like 65 miles an hour is the speed limit, and I'm here to enforce it. But in, in, in Europe, they never, they never decided that we decided somewhere at some point in America that, oh, that was, we were, that was just a suggestion. We were just suggesting that you keep right, but eh, we're not really enforcing that, and that's not really. And there are some states where it actually isn't the law. And, you know, and it became like, oh, let's just, you know, can't we all just agree on cheese? Yeah. But in Europe, it's amazing. And so you see it not only on the highways, but you see it like in public spaces too. People understand to get out of the way of the bullet. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the problem is the bullet, this is the other thing, the bullet could be Hitler at any time. Yeah. And so you do want to get out of the way of the bullet. Mm-hmm. In a it's, way it's, that we it's, don't, we it's, don't. We, you know, we, it's it's basic. Boy, this is really. I hate to say this. I, I nothing against our, our wonderful uh, provincial American friends, but there, there is something the kind of big city about it, and that's why I think one reason Manhattan feels so brusque to people. Mm-hmm. But you know, here's here's the part that's really going to bum you out and keep you up at night is that the people who want you to get the hell out of their way on the sidewalk 
don't actually care about you. No, they it's, don't. It's about society. It's yes. about it's about keeping moving. It's about getting out of the way. It's about yes. Uh, what's what's the phrase? Inner uh, inertial uh, relativity. Inertial relativity. Yeah, yeah. And so, but yeah, you're actually right. But it's very self involved. It's very provincial to say like the speed limit is 65. Ergo, yeah, I can uh, I can just ergo, camp out here. Ergo, I could be in any lane because yeah. no one should be going faster there. And the thing that's why I love driving in Manhattan because the rules of driving in Manhattan are if the nose of your car is one micrometer in front of the nose of the car next to you, then you have positional authority and you can do whatever you want. And that guy has to watch out, right? Like if you get in front of another car, even half a car length in front of another car, then you can more or less change lanes at will because the presumption is that you are ahead of that guy, so it's his responsibility to look out for you. And you are looking forward and making decisions about what's coming at you. Like, all of Manhattan traffic is looking forward. Very different from somebody who's used to the on-ramp, off-ramp by the Walmart, mm-hmm. where we all right. wait politely to, to do yeah. the zipper thing. There is no merge concept in new york you never no one ever like puts their arm over the passenger seat and cranes their neck around (laughs) to see if there's a spot and puts their blinker on and slows down and waits for a spot because there's never a spot right you know no one will ever make a spot for you so the only way that you can get around and that's not because they're mean that's just because that's how driving works that's just how driving works right and so you just drive and you're looking forward and you assume that the people who are not in your peripheral vision are watching you because you're in front of them. And if you, if you turn right, then they get out of your way. And it's, it's genius. You drive in New York and no one, the thing is, no one ever hits their brakes. You just are all moving in a symbiosis because you're, you have this awareness and you recognize that because you don't really have to look behind you, then all, then all of a sudden, like, what you need to do is really understood and taken care of, which is like, I've got three guys in front of me and I'm watching them and okay, this guy's moving. So I'm moving into that space. You know, I'm moving into that space. Cause it's, like I, a, it's just, almost like a beautiful, dangerous dance. It's, it's the, it's the best. Everybody's going, how, how in the world could traffic on third Avenue go 65 miles an hour, <laughs> but it happens all the time. And it's because, Nobody's looking back. They could just break their rearview mirrors off. They're just looking forward and dealing with the three to five things in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a bike messenger on the left. This taxi cab looks like he's looking for a fare. There's a delivery truck up there. I see him two blocks it's ahead. Very, it's very active as opposed to wondering so how soon you get to go 65 on a highway again and being yeah. frustrated because of the, the brake lights. When, when do I get to go 65 because I want to go 65? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it's so sexy. And very passy, passive. Uh, that 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 version of it is yeah. That the the country ass highway version of driving yeah. is is the worst. And when you when you get into an environment, and the thing is, all all like center central cities have their own tempo. I mean, Detroit is very. You would think Detroit kind of Midwesty, but. Because the car culture is so strong, going into Detroit, it, it feels, it, it really feels like lining up 
lining up to make a run at the Death Star. You know, like you mm-hmm. just you strap in and you just here we go. We're going in. I think it's like that in Boston. Oh yeah, Miami. Well, Boston the Boston has the additional advantage of like there are no street signs. Um, I think they've given up trying to explain how no Boston parallel works. streets. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I love I love that experience uh, of uh, of driving in a place where, and and th- and that's the thing about driving on the on the autobahns in Europe. Like if you doze for a second, if you get over into that passing lane, and you are going a hundred and ninety kilometers an hour, mm-hmm. and you think to yourself, "I'm pretty hot shit," you know, <laughs> I'm going hundred and ninety kilometers an hour. I'm over here in the pa- passing lane. There's a bunch of um, there's a bunch of of trucks, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm pretty happy with myself. I'm gonna I'm gonna relax for but it's one even, it's second. It's even down to like a sense of like there's nobody who could ever object to what I'm doing. There's yeah. a, you know it's again it's that classic kind of like annoying American thing of like I've covered <laughs> my bases here. I know <laughs> I'm not actively doing anything to harass anyone, so therefore nobody could ever have any objection to what I'm doing. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm going 190 kilometers an hour. I am fucking. I who could who could have a problem with this? And you doze for one second. Mm-hmm. Here comes the bullet. You look down at the fucking stereo for one second, and you look up in your rearview mirror, and there is a 500 class Mercedes that was going 220 kilometers an hour, and he is now. Like metallurgically grafted to your rear bumper, and he's <laughs> while, you, while you're observing the blah punked. He is flashing his brights in a way that is so angry. Like there's something about the like the flash, the brights flash on a German car that is just like, Achtung, mach schnell, mach schnell. Like it just looks different. Mm-hmm. So they, it, it's designed to communicate anger in a in a way that we can't relate to here. And you feel like such a boob, and then invariably that happens right at a place where there, where in the right-hand lane, there's a stack of trucks, and there's no way for nowhere for you to get out of. Because you hadn't, you thought, oh, wh- why would I ever need to move over? Why would I have to start thinking about that? Right. Look at me. I'm Mr. Guy. I'm. Like, I'm I'll wait for somebody to come up behind me, and I'll notice them. Yeah. And maybe they'll flash their lights or something, which is a very mean thing to do. And then yeah. I'll move over when it's convenient for me. That, that I'll move over when it's convenient for me. But invariably, what happens is you become the problem. And, mm-hmm. and you never felt like the problem so much. You now, nobody's, the, nobody's more of the problem than somebody who's pretty convinced they could never be part of the problem. <laughs> you're like... You're <laughs> <coughs> me? You're, you're like one of those gummy uh, bouncy balls. In a pachinko game. <laughs> wrong, wrong equipment. Right? Exactly. Everything is just... And then a fucking gummy ball. A gummy hey, guys. Wrong. You ever heard of a city so, called uh, Passau? Yeah. I uh, dated a gal uh, who was visiting the United States. You never tell stories like this. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a very private guy. Uh-huh. I like to stay oh. over here in my lane. Tell us more. Well, no, it's just interesting because um, uh, this was in uh, 1999. She's a Bavarian girl. Very young, yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. unconscionably young girl that I was seeing. We well, pass, pass out not to not to tell not to say too much, but Passau is down in that area, down around the Czech border. Where this the, is this is why I bring it up. 
hills and dales. Yes. Well, and really, it was more Czech than German in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Tell mm-hmm. us more. Well, she she had a um, she had a real super uh, East German uh, kind of uh, childhood. You know, yeah. like her yeah. father was a a surgeon, as they say, like he was yeah. a doctor and he got whatever the East German government felt like paying him for stuff. Mm-hmm. Constant, you know, mm-hmm. weird, like mystery meat privations, <clears throat> you know, but it was interesting because yep. she was right on the line. I mean, I think this is that Passau might have been in stripes for all I know. It might as well oh. have been. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Go look at the, go look at the map. It's right there. Oh, I know where it is. It's got yeah. a cool ass coat of arms. It's got like a like a griffin and like a dragon sticking its yeah. tongue out. It's really cool. You know what? We don't have enough griffins in America. That's another problem with this place. Boy, I mean, you know, Passau is uh, is like, um, yeah, it's one of those old towns. It's like a town where you you start beautiful. scratching the surface and you're like, oh, it was incorporated in uh, 1100, except it was already a it had already been a Roman town for a thousand oh, years. Oh, sure, sure, sure. You know. It's like one of those. I don't places. really have any more of the story than that, except that I was uh, dating a twenty-year-old girl in the nineties, and she was kind of East Germany. She played basketball. She was almost six feet tall. Wow! Yeah, it was astonishing. It was a real outlier for me. See, I like I like that. You know, I always I always imagine I've got your number. Yeah, but then you you throw a curveball like this. I rebound I, hard. I rebound I once, hard. <laughs> I once dated a East German basketball player. <laughs> you know, she, she had really large hands. Um, yeah, yeah, I worry about the house, I worry about the highway. So that's your addendum. It really, it, the thing is, the beautiful part is, uh, keep moving and get out of the way. It just, it sits, it's a, it, it is a base, it's the best of America and the best mm-hmm. of Europe mm-hmm. in, in a, uh, social psychology, uh, 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 it's, it's a, it's a method of understanding the world that will help improve everything. Now you're adding science with the inertial, uh, relativity. Yeah. Yeah. Make you room for it. the bullet. <clears throat> you have to <clears throat> you have to always i mean all these uh, all these edicts i'm realizing you know part of what makes them lasting is that they that they are flexible they can have sort of you know amendments to them right. they do they do grow with the times right they're not i do not believe that there should be uh, roderick on the line originalists who are trying to imagine what the founders... Yeah, but you also don't want activist think, judges out there. You don't want a lot of activism, it's true. You don't want, you don't want people who are trying to, uh, trying to legislate from the bench, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. But you do want to allow these edicts to be uh, improved upon by future generations. Um, because they're going to have to adapt to a future time when everybody's going to be on hoverboards or, um, or in pneumatic tubes. <laughs> And some of these things are going to be, some of these things they're going to think have been solved. It's not really a truism if it won't work in a pneumatic tube. Well, and I don't, I'm not sure how you would pass somebody in a pneumatic tube. Well, I think if you had any sense, you'd engineer a pneumatic tube that, that takes that into account. Right, right, exactly. There's going to be, there's going to be five tubes and you're going to be able to choose the tube right. that best expresses the, the speed with which you would like to be pneumatically transported. It's going to be important that you continually re-choose the appropriate pneumatic oh, nice. tube. Nice. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think somebody from Stockton or from, uh, <laughs> you know, from Kiev is going to look walk up to these tubes and he's going to be like, how, how am I supposed to choose this? Like, I'm not getting in a tube. The last tube, the last thing that they saw that resembled a pneumatic tube transporter was some kind of cow chute. I like a slide at a McDonald's playground. 
Right. So they're going to choose the one all the way to the right. It's mm. a nice big tube, slow-moving tube. Like the minivan of tubes. Yeah, you just you get in there, and it's sort of like whoosh, and it just sort of, oh. Got those captain like seats where you just get real comfortable. Yeah, it's just a gentle whoosh that whooshes you off to your destination. All the way on the left, on the other hand, yeah. you're going to see a line of people. They're in downhill ski uh, co- costumes. Somebody or, or people in the app class. Somebody is covering them with, uh, you know, with like uh, motor oil. They have goggles on, and they're lining up to get into that left-hand tube because that is a that that the, the pneumatic pressure is a lot higher in that one. Yeah, it's probably tighter fit. It's uh, yeah, yeah. fewer the, the tube of extremity. Yeah, uh, you were uh, right about Passau. Uh, first paragraph in the second century BC, many of the Bowie tribe oh. were pushed north across the Alps out of northern Italy by the Romans. They it's established a, a new capital called Boiudurum <laughs> by the Romans, now within the Instadt, uh district of Passau. Second century BC turns out really, yeah, yeah. Well, Europe, now, is, my- Europe is old, John. Europe is old. The thing about uh, Passau is it is in. Um, it is a Bavarian town, and Bavaria was never in the east. No portion of Bavaria was part of Eastern Europe. So, her resemblance to a um, to a Czech or Eastern person was much. I think you were interpreting a kind of universal Germanic sever- severity. That, that you know what? That's on me. She had very, very blonde hair. Bavarian severity, if you will. Bavarian severity. <laughs> yeah. Or Bavarity, as we call it. Yeah, okay. And, um, but, you know, it's sometimes it's tricky over there. Uh, you know, there are a lot of Germans. Yeah, it's true. And they're different from each other, which is the, which is the confusing part. You know, Germany's, you know, Germany's not that big. It's not much bigger than, I don't know, Rhode Island or whatever. Stockton, right. Somewhere, you could put all of Germany in California. How big is Germany compared to, like, what state would it be? Uh, It's probably not as big as Texas, right? Well, that's a good question. How big is Germany? How big is Germany? Relative to uh, Texas, say. Uh Uh, I think there are 80 million people in Germany now. Is that right? 60 million? 80 million people? Uh, 80.6 million. Dang. (laughs) After the United States, Germany is the second most popular migration destination in the world. I think that's true. A lot of people want to move to Germany. Hmm. They got a they got a mythical creature on their coat of arms. It's pretty handsome. Oh, they do. They do. They yeah. and I don't and I think a lot of them don't think it's mythical. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. Squarespace makes everything so simple and easy with their beautiful design templates and easy drag-and-drop content. You spend less time fussing with all the computer maths and more time putting your great stuff in front of your audience. If you're ever stuck, don't panic. Squarespace offers 24 by 7 support through live chat and email via their Cracker Jack teams in New York City, Dublin, and Portland. Squarespace plans start at only $8 a month, and that includes a free domain name when you sign up for a year. You can start your free trial today with no credit card required and begin building your own website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, please make sure you tell them you heard about it from Roderick on the line by using that special offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout. That gets you 10% off your first purchase, and it shows your support for Roderick on the line. We thank Squarespace very much for their amazing product and for supporting Roderick on the line. Squarespace, 
better websites for all. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the woman in the the, the the woman from the Czech Republic I was talking to, she was like, so I mean, because we were talking about a lot of different things, and at one point she was like, well, you know, uh, for a while there in the nineties. All the people, all the, the young people in the Czech Republic were learning English because it was very fashionable and it seemed like that's the way we were going. Mm-hmm. But now everyone is learning German again because just it's just for practical purposes. Uh, the Germans are, I mean, basically they have, um, they have Anschlusst the Sudetenland again, <laughs> but this time, <laughs> this time just with like tourist caravans. And there's no, and and that was a little bit depressing to me because I do remember being in Prague at a time when it felt like an American colony a little bit. Really, I thought Prague was uniquely European. Oh, oh, for sure. But I mean, in in the sense of like the young people and the energy that they had for the future. Is is it pretty cosmopolitan? Oh, I mean, if if it hadn't been for the wall, I think Prague. Prague would have evolved to be the capital of Europe, and I think it may one day. You know, like, Prague had the disadvantage of always, I mean, for a long time, being kind of a a colony, right? It was an Austrian colony, a second city in an empire. Mm. And so Vienna was the capital, and Prague could only ever be a, a, you know, a, a, a spoke the 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 Czechs could only be a spoke of this empire, and then they had a like a brief period there between the wars where they seemed there there seemed like possibility for them, and then they were, you know, they were absorbed by the Nazis, and then they then they became part of the Warsaw Pact, and they never have had their moment mm. in in modern times. But Prague itself and the Czech people and the, I mean, I think they are the best of. Central Europe, and it's it should be the, and the problem is it's going to get, it's going to turn into a tourist shithole. It already has, but like there's something about it. It should be the center of of Central Europe. It's a very feminine city. It's a very mm-hmm. like and feminine in in both ways. Like it's it's um, it's also uh, dangerous. Like feminine. It's and it has claws. Claws out, right? I sent you a link to the uh, the, the Bundeswappen. No, Bundeswappen. I don't know if I'm saying that right. The Federal Coat of Arms. Uh, it's the Weimar Eagle, which they adopted, the Federal Republic of Germany uh, adopted as its symbol in 1950. <coughs> What's interesting is the evolution of this thing over time. It's become less terrifying. And by the time you get to the standard of the federal president, it looks really more like an angry bird, like from oh, the video game. Yeah. Oh, look, that's too bad. Isn't yeah, that sweet? Really, look at that. It did... Uh, I mean, I remember... You used the, to have uh, more of a death from above thing, and now it looks like you're going to try and knock some pigs over. <laughs> I remember the, you know, the... the So the, the East German coat of arms always had, like, a hammer and a compass because they were building a, a worker's utopia. Um, and it compared to, like, the the um, federal republic or whatever, the... the uh, the West, West the Germany. West, yeah. right. Like, so the GDR was the German Democratic Republic, and the other one was the Federal Republic of Germany. Is that how it went? Oh, is that right? The, 
mm, whatever the FRG, uh, the FRG and the GDR. But um, but yeah, the like the Eagle seemed pretty badass. But then you you don't have to go back too far to see the Nazi Eagle, which was not that. That that doesn't make you feel warm and fuzzy. Mm-mm. But then you go all the way back, and it doesn't look like an eagle at all. It looks like a freaking buzzard. It looks like a it looks like a griffin, like a death buzzard. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And it looks like it's kind of like a little kid going, "I have strong muscles." Like a going, yeah, mm, I'm flexing, strong. flexing. Oh my god! But then it's Thank got, you it's for got funny. It's that. got funny chicken feet. Thank you for sending me that. The Bundeswappen. Isn't that nice? And then, and then there's oh the, wait uh, wait wait then there's the the two headed Bundeswappen. What? If you go even further back, the original German Confederation. That would be a zweihided zweihided <laughs> Bundeswappen. Oh my goodness! There's so many eagles, and there's yeah. some naked guys uh, mm-hmm. dressed up like a green goddess uh, uh, salad dressing outfit. Green, yeah, well, see, Look at that, that. And I think I think that's the that's German part emperor. Of that. I've talked about that before, right? The uh, the like nascent yes. Um, the druids, uh, right? Uh, druid worship, uh, right? Tree worship that goes on in that country, and, in, and really, let's page, be honest, John. in all of Central Europe, yes, they really are only Christian um, on the surface. Mm. Surface then, Christians, beneath, surface Christians, and beneath that, they are still uh, sacrificing lambs to the nature gods. I know Which, they love to know, camp. Germans love to camp. They love short pants. They like hiking. They like hiking. hiking up to the parking lot and hiking down to the parking lot on the other side. <laughs> mm-hmm. not, not, to, not to give away too much. No. Not to reveal too much about my book. Love hiking east. On. <laughs> yes, they do. They really like to hike east. They'll hike west if they have to. Yeah. But they, but they really want <laughs> not until some, they're really cornered. <laughs> they really want some Lebensraum. <laughs> uh. Anyway, I don't know why I keep getting cold. Uh, you know, I think it might be that you live in a in a in a sick house. I it might be a sick house. I'm pretty sure we've got the asbestos in our tubes. Yeah, yeah. You, everybody's got asbestos in their tubes. Yeah. But I feel, you know, like ever since my experiment, and now I'm now I'm. This is how I'm casting it. My experiment mm-hmm. in going sugar free. Oh wow! It sounds like you're really backing off that. A year ago. Uh-oh. I hear some, I hear some late night dining in that statement. There is, there's just been terrible backsliding and. Oh no. And the thing, the thing was when I first had sugar after I had been sugar free for, for a long time, like whenever I would have even a little bit of sugar, I would, I would immediately recognize that it was poison. Like it felt like poison. Oh, like your, your body almost wanted to reject it. Well, yeah, because you would you you just get you'd get, I, I rather I would get crazy immediately. Yeah. Like your mind would just be like, "Wow, I feel incredible!" But also, but like, also just it, t- it tastes weird. If you haven't had a candy bar in a really long time, go to movies, <laughs> eat a candy bar. It's like well, this is who who eats this? This is yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah, and your and your this is like a one going. bite. This should be a one bite operation. No way should there be a supersized Snickers. That's disgusting. Yeah, exactly, uh, and that's and that's a perfect that's that's perfectly true. Like one bite of confection, you get the whole everything that's good is in that first bite, and everything that follows is just like garbage. That's it's a just per- the, perfect way to put it. It's a camp train of of uh, of followers and what, what? <laughs> a camp train. <laughs> a camp train, right? You know when an army moves through. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. I thought you were talking uh, about. Uh, <laughs> Uh, German backpacking. Well, uh, in a sense, the well, original form I of German last night watched, backpacking. I watched Henry V, and uh, I ate a pint of uh, 
vanilla bean ice cream. Yeah, thank you. And that but is I did what's watch happening. Henry V. That's what's happening to me too. And you know what? What my uh, gateway drug was? I found some gluten-free um, granola. Oh, what? Gluten-free granola. And then that doesn't seem possible. Well, I know. And then someone else introduced me to non-fat Greek yogurt. And so I was like, listen, I got all the ingredients here. I got non-fat Greek yogurt. I got gluten-free <laughs> granola. I got those bags. You drink it with a near beer. Hardly any alcohol at all. <laughs> those bags that you get now at the supermarkets where you get a 15-pound bag of uh, blackberries, raspberries, blueberries, and strawberries all mixed mm. together and frozen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a, th- is a technology that, like, if all of California, if everyone in California has to die in order to keep those fruit factories producing cheap berries, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a trade-off that I'm willing to consider. I agree. I agree. It's a terrible state. And, and the truth is that uh, berries are one of the few things that have not gotten awful yet. It's yeah. not awful like tomatoes have gotten awful or peaches have gotten awful. You can still have a good blueberry or a bad blueberry, a good strawberry, or a bad strawberry, but they're not categorically shit like peaches. Yeah, yeah they have they haven't uh, they haven't bred them to the point that there's no flavor or texture. Well, you get the banana situation where we got one banana now. That's right. That's right. There is only one kind of banana. The other day, I looked down at my little daughter, and she was she had a half a banana, and she was applying it to her lips like lipstick. And I was like, what are you doing? And she said, just putting on some banana lipstick. (laughs) That's adorable. And I felt like, and she, you know, and she said it and looked at me as though it was, it couldn't be more obvious what she was doing. But I did feel a little bit like the banana, you know, a banana that's, that has, uh, that's mostly starch does feel a little bit like lip balm and, and less like food. You know, these a little, little, of, little gritty. Yeah, these starchy, uh, tasteless modern bananas. But anyway, if if we have to divert the whole uh, the uh, every river that comes out of the Southwest, right? Well, you know we're having a drought. You're saying yeah. you're saying plenty of water, plenty of cheap workers. Just keep the frozen berries coming. Just pour that shit onto the berry farms. Mm-hmm. And if, I mean, LA is going to end up devolving into water riots, and you know, and mass sort of uh like terrible emigration and and, and and by which i mean like armies of thirsty people marching north in tattered clothes yeah because la needs a reason to be more like either dune or mad max that's what we need right now <laughs> more, more resource riots on top of it all yeah that's gonna happen no matter what and yeah. i just say fence off those berry fields yeah, pop some corn put, let it let, put, let, let it burn <laughs> Put guard towers around the berry fields and just let those L.A. people, you know, march to the sea or whatever. But keep those berries coming. But I, So I started making gluten-free granola with, with, um, with non-fat Greek yogurt and frozen berries. Mm. And I felt very virtuous because I, had, I was doing all the right things here. But what I was really doing was making a giant parfait sundae. That's still technically a lot of sugar. Well, and a lot of just just a massive. I mean, because I'm because because once I felt like I had given myself a pass, 
I did you not. You could just eat a large mixing bowl of it. Yeah, I did not impose any size restrictions on it. Oh, it's healthy. And, and I was. I was basically making a popcorn bowl <laughs> of this stuff. And, and I was like, this is incredible. You know, it's, it's like that the, the secretary at the place I used to, the, the stock brokerage where I worked back when I was still drinking, who I overheard one day talking to her, the, her desk partner. And she said, have you ever, have you ever tried these? Fat-free brownies, and the coworker was like, "No, this was when fat-free yeah brownies were new." And she was like, "They're incredible." I mean, I ate a whole pan of them. They're fat-free. It's like four cups of sugar. Fat-free, and I was like, "Lady, yeah, four cups of sugar, exactly right." So anyway, so that was my gateway. These parfaits. Oh, John, and I'm then sorry. pretty soon I was just like, "Well, if I'm going to be eating four thousand calories of." non-fat yogurt i might as well be um i might as well just eat ben and jerry's mm. but but i feel like to get back to where the jumping off point was here that is why i am sick yeah because i still have this sense memory i still have this 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 distant memory of knowing how poison sugar is and now it's in my body again to the to the to the degree that i can't sense it when i put it in Oh no, you're you're back on you're back. You're back on sugar basically. Well, it's in there. You've got you've got a baseline amount of sugar and which is going to make you want more sugar even yeah. if you're not conscious of it. That's exactly right. And, I think and I think that's how it is. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly how it is. I, and, I didn't and, begin my night saying, "Well, uh, I'm going to have uh all of this ice cream." No. But then but there, then it was gone, you know. Yeah, I'm and up the, the agent court and stuff. That's <laughs> so polishing off <laughs> polishing off the uh <clears throat> it gentled my condition. Yeah, agent court. Wow. <laughs> That's a real thing. That's it's a real, a real thing. thing. It really happened. Yeah. That 30 years war, I keep, you know, there was a time when I felt like the 30 years war was the key to understanding everything. Was that Edge of Court? It's not, it's not the 100 years war. It's the 30 years war? No, no. The 30 years, I mean, uh, uh, sort of um, sort of unrelated, mm-hmm. but sort of not. Everything in Europe is related. Uh, thir- 30 years war came later, huh. but... but um. But the Thirty Years' War is like... Yeah, Hundred Years. Hundred Years' War. Yeah, Hundred Years' War. That's right. War of the Roses. Okay. Uh, war, yeah, war, <laughs> You're just saying words now. War of the Ascension. Uh, war of the Ascension. The, uh, war, war of, of, the ascension. Uh, war of the attrition. The Thirty Years' War is the one that happened, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, post-Martin Luther. And it really felt like that was the... For, for a long time, it felt like that was the key for uh, me to understand everything that happened subsequently in Europe. And that, but the problem with the Thirty Years' War is there's nothing, there's no way to keep it in your mind. There's no central, there's really no central figure, there's no central battle, there's no central event, really. It's, it's just, like, all against all chaos war that lasted f- for 30 years. And and the end result was mostly that everyone everyone was tired and all of the good things were had been burned you know it was the it was the first sort of total war where everything just the armies would come into a town and they would go out the other side and there would just be nothing left oh god and um and then everybody just got exhausted and and it just sort of petered out sort of thing and so it's very hard to keep like I read several books about it, and I had this 
very clear picture of all the, you know Charles V and all these people that were that were the source material for all the stuff that came after right you couldn't look at the american revolution or or napoleon or or the french revolution or anything that came later without understanding this cauldron of the 30 years war but but now it's been you know a half a dozen years since i read a book about it and i couldn't really tell you anything about it it because it, it because it just it's not just that i'm old and my brain is a sieve but that there's no even as i was reading books about it i was like the person writing this book does not understand the scope of what they're talking about because there's too much there were too many factors going in and coming out the other side there were too many factors and it's just like oh king gustav of sweden now isn't how he's riding into what now? His army is involved. Like, where did they come from? That's One such, of those- such a different time. Where, like today, you—if anything happened between any two countries—we would know about it the second that it happened, and everybody would have a theory. Everybody in the entire on the entire planet would have a theory because they they have a reckon about it. And mm-hmm. back then, well, it might be weeks before you heard about something. Right. Right, you know or, what I'm saying? I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like it wasn't even like the 40s where you could show a newsreel and go like, "This is what it means." This is Pearl Harbor, right? This is this is what this is what we're fighting for. It must have been much more local and localized. And I think there were there were you know whole swaths of events in the Thirty Years' War where there were no witnesses who survived uh, from the other side of the story. Right? You got one side of the story because everybody on the other side of the story died. Yeah, and. Um, and you know i like i often i often weep for the lost human the the you know the we make so much progress and then we have these sweeping wars and it kind of like everything is ruined right like mm-hmm. in a way like the same way that you weep for the library at alexandria right like oh if only we had if only we had all those books and had always had them there wouldn't have been dark ages or something. But in fact, you know, the more you study, the more you realize like, ah, it's just all, it's just all construction paper and glue. It's all, we're all just soylent green lining up, lining up, go into the grinders that are under every Taco Bell. (laughs) You know, every third person that goes into a Taco Bell doesn't come out. Well, there's a reason all those birds hang out outside, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I walked by yesterday morning on the way uh, for Daddy Daughter morning. We went out and uh, got some dim sum. And as we walked by, the guy, the bird guy, the guy who gets the free chicken at KFC, ten thirty a.m. He's in there eating chicken. Serious, I don't take a photo because I respect his dignity, but I just got to let you know it's a real thing. He was there yesterday ten, morning. Ten thirty, getting chicken. But but interesting that Never you and it. you and your young daughter have now made dim sum part of your uh, Daddy Daughter routine. God, she can put it away. I mean, she's no John Roderick, but she can put a hurting on some dim sum. Just she, talking she eats about as much it. as I do. Just talking about it makes me sad oh, that I am not God. sitting at your kitchen table right now eating four people's portions of dim sum. <laughs> I can get you off that sugar. You just four, people, four portions, uh, four big hungry man portions of dim sum, and I'm like, and I'm, I'm, I'm slapping people's hands as they are reaching. <laughs> For it's, like, it, you know the thing is, morsel. it's irresponsible because we went in there, and first of all, he really he he loves my daughter, and he's always asking about her. And whenever I bring her in, I got to do this more. He like slashes the price in half. 
Oh, hello. So we got like 16 pieces of dim sum for $6. (laughs) And then we went home, we ate it. And then we went downtown and had people literally stand in front of us on the escalator. (laughs) Attention, Generation Super Train. We have an exciting new thought technology for you because right now, for the first time ever, Roderick on the line has shirts. Shirts that you can buy and then wear. These are small batch, single cask, artisanal t-shirts and hoodies featuring our brand new Roderick on the Line logo, lovingly crafted by our pals at Cotton Bureau. To see them for yourself, you can find a link in show notes for this episode or just dial up bit.ly slash shirt. Now here's the thing. This is a very limited time offer. The last possible second to buy this shirt passes on February 6th, 2015 at 2 p.m. So please act now. Go to bit.ly slash shirt and pick up this one-of-a-kind item for the very first time available to you. John and I thank you in advance for having a torso and excellent taste. Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Laura and Talbot, Salisbury and Gloucester. So I have to say, yeah, I had a little bit of a reality check um, a couple of days ago because I went to see Judas Priest in concert. And um, you know how I feel about Judas Priest. Strongly. I feel strongly about Judas Priest. Was, I've it, seen was, them, was Rob Halford singing? Rob, Rob's, the only one that's not in the band is K.K. Downing. That's pretty good. K.K. Downing took a pass. Well, except the drummer, I think. You know, it's they probably had some spinal, twenty-year-old kid. Spinal Tap drummers over the years, right? Right. The, right. the, the original drummer is gone twenty years, but you know, the, you've got you've got Glenn Tipton on guitar, and you've got Rob Halford, and the, the, that's like that's the, they good. were the, they were the two stars, right? They've got a young guy playing in KK Downing's position, and he's a great guitar player and a lot of fun to watch. And I I, I accepted him as a member of Judas Priest, um, but. Uh, you know, and I, I was a big fan of Judas Priest all the way back to my youth, but I only ever got to see them twice, and both times in the last five or six years. Does he have movement issues? Yeah, I mean, the first time I saw him, he actually was walking around the stage with a with a cane, oh, God. Uh, like that had a skull on the head or whatever. But it was definitely he was using it as a cane. And now he's, you know, he moves slowly, and after at the end of every song, he disappears behind a curtain. And maybe gets a vitamin B twelve shot and some some cortisone in the knees or something, and then comes oh, back out. God, the poor guy. Because the thing is, I've seen videos of old Judas Priest when he had hair. Yeah, and I mean, he was in his twenties. I mean, he's he's got to be. Look at us. I mean, Jesus Christ, I'll be forty eight this week. He's got to be sixty, right? Uh, he. I think they. I think Glenn Tipton is sixty seven. Oh my lord! And uh, I don't know how old Rob is, I'm but anyway, um, it was. Um, it was speaking as so Rob Halford was born in 51, right? So, so 63. 63, yeah. Jeez. Um even as a massive fan and even uh even allowing for the fact that it was it was great, it was actually terrible. <laughs> um because was it mechanical? Well, no, it was just like metal is not a thing that that you can inhabit at 67 or, or or rather like if you go see Pink Floyd right now and those guys are 70 right oh yeah um i but, bet you i bet you that's still i bet you dave gilmore is still very entertaining live well i think the way to put that is that dave gilmore is still exactly as entertaining as he ever was 
which is to say that he stands there and stares at his shoes while he plays fantastically, right? But you never, Pink Floyd never ran over and like climbed up on the speaker stacks and and said, right. do you want to, like there's not, you know, they were just like all standing and it was the light show that was doing the work. So Pink Floyd, I, you know, Pink Floyd can play to their 95, I think, and and it will still probably be an amazing live show. But but metal, like when you when your guitar part goes like every one of those bounds, you wanna you wanna see some movement from the guitar player because each one of those each one of those is a an axe chop, right? You are. The, those are the musical equivalent of you swinging your battle axe at a dwarf, mm-hmm. and I don't. And I and I mean I no, mean no, a, no. You mean like for Middle Earth? I mean a, a mythical L- dwarf, not a little not, person, not a little. <laughs> but like, so you you are using your guitar in metal as a weapon. It is an axe, literally, and you should be you should be wielding it, right? Oh, you're just chopping at these Middle Earth creatures with your axe. And if these these guys are in their sixties and they've been playing this music for forty years, and you just didn't get the sense anymore that they that they were connecting the um, they were they they were connecting the dots and they were playing their music, but you kind of felt like they were thinking about their house in Ibiza and how right. expensive it was to keep the swimming pool heated or whatever. Um, but. I was watching Judas Priest at the Tacoma Dome and uh, the, the sort of comedy metal band Steel Panther opened. But looking around, there were 9,000, 10,000 people there and not a single one of them was concerned with ethics in gaming journalism. Mm-hmm. Right? There was not a single person there who cared about really any of the um, evolution, the social evolution that seems to be really gaining a lot of uh, momentum. Are you, are you implying that these are older people? Well, I mean, average age of the place was probably 40, but there were young people, too, that, who had just adopted whole cloth the attitude and look of the 80s. It's still a culture. It's still an active culture. Right. Um, drawing from the rural counties. And it was really astonishing that, you know, like the unabashedness of like girls getting up on stage and flashing the audience and feeling like this was the the best day of their life. You could just see like, I'm on stage with Steel Panther and they want me to show my boobs and this is my fucking moment. Uh. And I was like, wow, right. Like, this, this I, used to be a thing. And, you know, and it used to feel like the dominant culture, although it wasn't, right? The dominant culture in pop music was always country and Western. We just didn't know it because we, because it was, we were on one side of the Berlin Wall. And, uh, and, but it felt like the dominant culture. But now it is still a, it's still a viable culture. And I was, I was astonished by it and, and, and astonished because it made me realize that I am now living in a, I am living in a culture that seems like, because I'm on the internet, because I am a member of, uh, of, of Twitter and of the, 
of the world of people who are getting their list of concerns and their their social cues coming from people who engage with one another on the internet, I have started to feel like that is reality and it is the dominant culture. But in fact, I, it's just a culture. It's one of 20,000 right. simultaneous cultures. And, um, and it, was, it was like, a, it, I was surprised at what an eye-opener it was. I was like, whoa, right, no one, like, half the people in here... Uh, you, you you read that thing, and I know I know we're over an hour, and I know you are starting to. I know you're worried that I'm going to start talking about social justice and derail this podcast. Now I'm not worried, and put this podcast into the into the deep six I'm, file. I'm sure it'll be fine. I know you're worried. I'm not worried. I'm sure it'll be fine. I know you're worried that I'm going to start uh, advancing yeah. a theory. No, 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 no. <laughs> no but, worry, me worry. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, there was all that astonishment when uh, when uh, Bill Cosby played in Florida. <laughs> I'm listening. Five days after all this stuff came out, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and he was greeted <laughs> greeted to rapturous applause from a sold out crowd. Right. And everybody on the internet was like, "How is this even possible?" We've been talking about this for this, this five isn't the culture days. That I, this isn't the culture that I look at for 16 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, right. For 16 hours a day, I have been agreeing with every single other person in the universe right. that Bill Cosby needs to be sent to jail. And now I'm getting a report on BuzzFeed that a thousand people... <laughs> in like a retirement community went to his show and applauded and right. and said we love you Bill Cosby and and he made no reference to the controversy and no one stood up in the audience and uh and drew soy bomb on their chest and and said <laughs> stop stop this madness or whatever and and I you know and I I remember reading the reading the the astonishment on the on the web and kind of sharing their astonishment like whoa I did not see that coming I did not see that he was going to can, like can you, can you imagine the balls that it takes to go out and do that to, to just be like well you know just be like I, oh, no I'm just gonna go out and I'm just it won't come up and yeah, then like, it actually worked. It There's actually like one worked. person, one person had a sign that said rape is not a joke. And apart from that, everybody else was pretty into it. They were not yeah. equivocal. They're not sitting here like me struggling and going like, oh my God, this is so awful. And I still can't stop thinking about how much I love Bill Cosby as a kid. I'm still, I'm so struggling to try and square this information. They're fine. They have no problem. Hey, yeah, look, but, it's Dr. Huxtable. <laughs> yeah. And even the ones that were that were trying to square it were like, hmm, well, you know, there's two sides to every story or whatever. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He is pretty funny. <laughs> he is pretty funny. I bought a T-shirt, but I don't know if I'm going to wear it to work. Yeah. And it's just like, and going to this Judas Priest concert, it was the same thing. Like, wow, I spend, I spend 16 hours a day living in a world where we are talking about, um, we are talking about gender politics and set and, 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 and social politics as such a fait accompli or as such a or we're like we well, well, it's, imagine- and it's, it's just like astonishment that not everybody like is even having the same argument like we may not all agree with each other every time about everything but we ha- kind of agree on the basic rules of the game and then there's a lady who deliberately wants to take her top off and show her boobs while a band called steel panther plays not a lady 
25 ladies, you know, who are just like, I get to go up on stage and take my top off. This is fucking amazing. (laughs) And, and, and it, it felt a little bit like going to Thanksgiving dinner, uh, with your family and everybody wants to talk about Mitt Romney or something. You know what I mean? Like it just felt like, Oh, whoa, I'm, there's a whole other universe happening. Except, unlike, I mean, if I went to Thanksgiving dinner and everybody wanted to talk about Mitt Romney, I would, like my fellow uh, internet people, I would feel the smug certainty that they were, like, you know, uh, dinosaurs and fuck them. Uh, and I just need, you know, I'm going to post, like, ironic uh, Instagram photos of my old relatives until I can get out of here. <laughs> but to go to a Judas Priest concert and feel like these people believe that they are, like, the hardest core. I mean, they're older, but this is right. hardcore. This is like the this is the bleeding edge, right? The, the, we are in league with Satan here, and <laughs> we're uh, not getting our B twelve shots. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, Satan. You know, Satan with a little with a little help. Satan with a little nudge mm. to get back out on stage and and sing the Ripper one more time. How's his range? Uh, shot. Ah, oh, that sucks. His range is shot, and there's. A little bit, I mean, there's quite a bit of sound guy uh, help along the way. Yeah, you can, I mean, you can do a lot you can, with still training your voice at that age to spoof it. Mm-hmm. And then you just hit just the right amount of reverb for just yeah. a little bit at the right time. And you can get away with a lot. A reverb and then the long delay. So he'll, he'd be like, and you just and, and then then you kill the you know you just stomp yeah. on the long delay and that oh rings out, but there were a, there were like five moments in the in the concert where he had a signature one of those signature piercing like and I right. really felt like I was hearing some not just re- additional reverb but like. Some maybe somebody backstage helping him out, or some tracks or something. Somebody oh. was somebody was pushing a button on the doctor sample and <laughs> adding in some pre-recorded Halford uh, to to make those moments really blow because because there were lots of other moments in the songs where they decided that it wasn't worth doing that, and Rob was not he was not. Like making those other moments happen the same way. Oh God! And the thing is, that, like you know, say what you will about the guy, but like he's he's always been a hell of a showman. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, almost like old old Hollywood or old radio. Like he really he's he's uh, <coughs> there, like with your Bruce Dickinsons and your Klaus Minas. Like he's working the crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, he genuinely wants to know if you're ready to rock and roll. He does, and he believes. Uh, he believes united, 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 we stand, united, we stand, one, uh, one and all. Like believes he believes the, uh, the grinder's looking for meat. <laughs> he believes that metal is a community and that it <laughs> saved, you know, like the punk rockers. He believes that metal oh, saved boy. his life. And that, <laughs> well, it's going to be about an hour and 15 <laughs> minutes now. Let me tell you a thing or two about punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>